Well, I'm ready. Should we get on with it? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Hello, lovely listeners. Hello. <laughs> Hello, greetings. Yeah, Welcome we can... around the virtual campfire. Kate, stop laughing. We this get... is the serious bit. We can get through the greetings and the saying hello without cracking up. No, we can't. No, we can't. No, we can't. Apparently. Professionalism, come on. I keep it in a box by the door. <laughs> Next to the umbrella. <laughs> Welcome around the virtual campfire. That's why I'm taking Zoom meetings. Settle in, warm your knees, grab a marshmallow off Kate while she's distracted by Zoom meetings. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe not. Okay. You might have to wait on the marshmallows. Part. No, you can. You're all right. Go Get a it. cup of coffee or drink of choice. Settle in for episode 87 of Frithcast. 87. I always do that. It's like it's because it, it harks back to when we were going like thirteen. That's a long hark. It, I know, but it doesn't work if you get like eighty-seven. We're closer to a hundred and thirteen than we are to thirteen. Oh crikey! I feel old now. <laughs> eighty-seven. Anyway, here eighty-seven. We are. Music goes here. Do 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 do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Hang on. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Put it there. Yeah. You sure? Just let it play for a bit. Okay. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. Okay. Quite finished? Yeah. Sure? Yeah. Okay. I'll fade us back up again now. Alright. Yeah. I think we ever faded away, to be yeah. honest. Better to burn. Yeah, yes, Balderoon. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today? Well, we better say who we are. Oh, first. Right, good point, yeah. I'm Susan Martin. <laughs> it's conceivable there are people who've never heard of us. Steady. <laughs> I'm Susan Martin. I'm a heathen with a head full of stuff. And you've got to get it out there. Yeah. Things and stuff and that. You want to get it out there. All of that. Yeah. Yeah, your turn. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. I'm Kate. Um, I'm not a heathen, and I have, I have a head full of stuff as well, but it's mostly like scripts from Red Dwarf. What I'd like to do with this episode is look at music and songs, and I'd like to look at them, the evidence that we've got for them in the Viking Age. I'd like to look at some of the modern groups that recreate those sounds and use those instruments and you know whether what kind of song tradition we have as heathens hmm. and where you might go from there. Okay. As a pagan, one of the things I've always been slightly disappointed about mm -hmm. is the fact that we don't really have music. 
there's not a musical tradition of praise like there is in some other faiths. Because I'm not, you know, not singling anybody out, but Christians, they have some kick-ass tunes. They do, and we don't have a lot in paganism. There's not a great rooted tradition of use of music. Mm. And in heathenism, the as far as I've encountered, and remember I can't tell you how to heathen. No, no indeed. As far as I've encountered, there aren't very many examples of like songs that kindred sing together or that groups sing together mm -hmm. as part of ritual or as part of praise or just for the love of singing it. Yeah. There is not a lot of religious ritual music that yeah. we use, although there is evidence of musical instruments. And I want to talk about some of those. Okay. Some of the evidence, the written evidence that we have that people sang mm -hmm. and where that comes from, what kind of singing it is. Okay. And where you might be able to listen to similar stuff in stuff inspired by. Yeah. Or you might want to go completely off and go right into jazz and... Jazz? Oh, yeah. Even jazz? Even jazz. What was that quote the other day? Jazz is what happens when you afford the instrument, but not the tuition. Ow. <laughs> Harsh. Okay. Some of the instruments that we know they had. Mm. And this is where we touch a little bit on archaeology as well, because I know we talked about aerobic and anaerobic preservation, that we don't often get organics we... surviving. Yes, we looked at that. We touched on that when we were doing the Oseberg burials and yeah. And so Oseberg yeah. is very shiny because it has anaerobic preservation. So we get leather, we get wood, we get timber, we get yeah. all the organic stuff yep. that you don't normally get in a burial context because the oxygen oxygenates it and yeah, it and all falls to bits. All falls to bits and decomposes, and you're narnered. Mm. So. You can imagine that a lot of instruments of the age are made of organic material. Yeah. They're made of wood. Mm -hmm. They're made of bone. They're made of potentially of animal skin. They're made of cow horn. I don't imagine you get an awful lot of drums no. left over. No, there's no example of a Viking Age drum. Okay. It would be odd if they didn't use one mm -hmm. because they've got a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah. They've got flutes, and they're often made from a long leg bone of either an animal or I think there's ones made from birds, goose bone, but okay. I could be wrong. Like cow bone, hmm. cow thigh bone, femur, that they've hollowed out and created into a bone flute. Yeah. So you get bone flutes in Scandinavia okay. that are Viking Age bone flutes. You get cow horns, the fabulous blowing horn. <clears throat> I suppose you must, because I mean, I'm, I, because Boromir, basically. Yeah, yes, Boromir. <laughs> Was he not authentic? Uh, no, quite. <laughs> Although his 
horn split into two? Do you remember it split to two halves? I remember some... Didn't somebody his hack it father, with a sword or something? Oh. No, his father had two halves of it and it split lengthways down the middle. Okay. And there is a type of horn that gets used where it's wood and it's like a long medieval kind of trumpet horn. Yeah, yeah. And it's two halves of wood that are hollowed out and then fitted back together and then they're bound with strips of willow. And gone, uh, Boromir's horn always reminds me of that kind of horn. Okay. This... The horn that's made in two pieces and then bound together with strips of willow. Yeah. And that's, of course, it's like a blowing instrument. So you've also got cow horn. Cow horns, they might be just a single blowing horn, although they have found some with placement holes for fingers. Oh, right, okay. So, cow horn, sheep's horn, goat's horn, especially like the curve of a goat's horn with finger holes in them. So they don't know whether they're actually creating music with these instruments or whether they're using them to just create a single-tone sound or a two-tone sound on a battlefield to give a certain signal to a certain group to say, right, you attack at this signal and you retreat at that signal. Yeah, so it might be... It might it be war command. It might be tonal signal signalling yeah. rather than... yeah. So it might be that they're using these instruments for tonal signalling mm. in warfare. It might be that on a Saturday night they're all chilling out around the log fire and somebody gets one of these out and plays melody on it. Yeah. Don't know. Can't really tell. Yeah, well, I can imagine. But <laughs> Can't really tell. Um, I, I suppose. I mean, if you if you've got multiple finger holes in it, mm. well, I suppose it would imply that it was capable of quite a lot of different tunes tones. and, yeah. and uh, tunes uh, tones. And obviously, if it's you know, I mean, I I don't know how well it works. I know with a flute you can overblow. So you can get like a whole different octave if you blow harder over it than. Oh wow! Oh, I don't um, know. It's got like a sort of almost like a kind of a falsetto mode. If you <laughs> if you just uh, I'm talking about a, a modern flute, you know, yeah, standard like a flute. metal. So you can get all the all the sort of the normal kind of, but then you get like a higher register if you blow harder. Oh okay. So um, you've essentially got like two octaves worth of notes out of one. Basically. Set of fingers. Yeah. 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 Um, so you've got flutes, mm-hmm. and they've not got quite as many note choices as the modern ones have. They've usually got between three or uh, three holes or seven holes. Okay, and that's it. I mean, seven—that's what I'm saying. Seven holes is quite—you'd because quite a if, complex instrument to have. It would that be many notes in it. And if you're talking about signalling on the battlefield, like I can imagine, like two or three notes arranged in patterns. You could arrange it in a sequence. You could make that. But seven different notes? Yeah. So, yeah, flutes. But only in Scandinavia. We haven't found them over here. Okay. In the UK. But that might be due to anaerobic preservation. You're talking about bone commonly with flutes. There are cow horns, either blowing horns or horns like sheep or goat horns with finger holes in. Mm -hmm. Again, fingering to create different notes. Yeah. 
you've got the most awesome one of the most awesome viking instruments i've ever seen there's a set of pan pipes found in the viking lairs at jorvik and made out of boxwood oh wow and it's it's like a little block rectangular block almost and it's got five holes drilled to different depths okay. which produce five very distinctive hole notes So, I mean, this thing, we've never, there's never ever been any other find of pan pipes or pipes, like a little block of pipes yeah. from a Viking context that I know of. Weird. So, whether again, that we. They could have been in every grave and we've just, they've just rotted away never within two decades and we've, we've lost them all. We don't know. Yeah. Or it could have been like one set that somebody bought from somebody trading off down in yeah. wherever yeah i mean this is boxwood so it's fairly rare mm. timber that they've made this musical instrument out of okay the other instrument that we know they had is like a lyre so like it's like a sort of a little a, a little harp yeah a little it's handheld like a, harp uh it's almost like a flat oval of wood that has a second oval cut out in the top half yeah and the strings go from the top of that little thin bar then down into the solid part of the base yep oft oft played <laughs> by apollo the lyre oft played by apollo slightly symbols. different style of lyre for apollo the greek one i say one of his symbols i mean yeah. symbols as in as in emblem rather oh, okay. than symbolizing yeah, okay. Because a liar, anyway. So you've got a lot of illustrations of Anglo-Saxon people using stringed lyres. And there is, there are Viking ones. They're slightly different style, but the instrument is essentially looks the same. Give or take a centimetre or two. Sometimes they think with the lyres they were actually bowed rather than the strings being plucked with fingers. Oh, right. They would use a bow. Uh, like a like, violin bow. Like a violin bow across the strings to produce different notes. Oh, wow. Chords. I didn't know that. I thought they were... Because, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to work out what the, what the angle would have to be at. But, yeah. No, I didn't. I guess if you put the instrument flat on your knees, yeah. you can put the bow across the strings yeah so there is some evidence to say that some of them were bowed but some of them may not have been they may have just had the strings plucked or the second hand is behind the strings putting a finger on a string to stop it vibrating at a certain point so okay. you get different notes on different strings nice so the most famous liar that I can think of is the one at Sutton Hoo. It's is there anything that's not at Sutton Hoo? Not a lot. <laughs> it's been reconstructed very famously. Okay. And Sutton Hoo, again, is a grave where we have all the shinies. Mm-hmm. The, um, hel the helmet? That helmet is from Sutton Hoo, That Sutton helmet it? Yep. is from Sutton Hoo, yes. So you've got a liar at Sutton Hoo. Um, you've also got one at uh, a burial at Prittlewell. 
and a burial at Taplow. I don't know where either of those places are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All righty. So uh, with the lyres, again, they're made of organic material. They're wood, they're tuning pegs. They're, there's a little bridge. Sometimes it's like a little wooden bridge under the strings to lift them off the base of the instrument. Okay. Sometimes that bridge is made of bone or of amber, so we get a bridge, but we don't get the rest of it. Oh, because nice. it's gone. Okay. So <laughs> the one at Prittlewell is... They haven't reconstructed it quite the same way as the Sutton Hoo one. Mm -hmm. But the initial estimates are that it is around the same dimensions as okay. the Sutton Hoo one. And, again, there's so few of these, and they're in the big shiny graves. Right. So they figure that they're actually quite a prestige instrument. These are a status thing. They're a posh thing. Yeah. They are your BMWs of the... The thingy, what's it? Forgotten it. BMWs of the Norse world. Yeah, those. Are liars. Yeah, they're the status symbol. They're an expensive instrument. There's not very many of them. We don't find very many of them, but mm. that might be down to the conditions of preservation. Yeah. So the theory is... Oh! I'm sorry, I've got to. They might have been looted. That was bad. I thought so. That was... <laughs> Shocking, <laughs> shocking woman. But I couldn't have let it go without. I'd have, I'd have been regretting it. I'd have woke up at like two o'clock in the morning and think, why didn't I do it? Are you quite done? Carry on. Okay. <laughs> There's an, also an instrument called a buka horn. A buka horn. And they found archaeological examples of these. And if you've watched the movie Frozen, I. Have watched 2013. the movie Frozen. It was some time ago, but I have seen yeah. it, yeah. So you can actually hear a buka horn in the soundtrack. Oh, okay. Of Frozen. What? I, mean, I don't. I mean, I remember that song, obviously. You can't not let how it can, go, I how know. How can you know? <laughs> um, but I don't remember much of the rest of the soundtrack, I have to admit. There's but... a, a part right at the beginning of the film hmm. where. Um, Grandpappy is healing Anna from Elsa's mistimed frozen blast. Okay, yeah, yeah. And there's a buka horn in the soundtrack when he's doing that. Oh, alright. So you can hear it. So you've got uh, a range of instruments. Now we also know they sang. Okay. And there's two or three sources I want to go through that tells us that they sang. Mm -hmm. And the first one is from Gerald of Wales. Gerald of Wales. And he they writes have such a book great names. I mean, called Description of Wales. What if there was somebody else in Wales called Gerald? What don't, do you do then? Don't, don't do it. What? Do not go there. That's just, that's a whole different bag of ferrets. <laughs> Whatever the Welsh is for ferret. Yeah. Don't know. Carry on. He wrote a book called Description of Wales. Because we're still in the country. We're still in the country. Okay. We're not yeah. not the not those whales. The seagoing mammals. No, not those whales. Okay. The other whales. All right. Okay. And in the description of Wales, he happens to mention that there is a singing style in Yorkshire and Northumbria. That's, he says it's very unusual. The English have picked up only in those areas. Well, in fairness, it's from Yorkshire, so... 
they've picked up a very distinctive two-tone singing style where you've got a treble part and a bass part and they sing in harmony through a track. Okay. His theory is that they've picked that up from the Vikings because they don't do it anywhere else. They it's, don't do it in the south. It's just in that little spot. Just in that little spot of the entirety of Yorkshire and the entirety of Northumbria, which happens to be covered by the Danelaw. And it okay. parallels an Icelandic traditional two-tone singing style, which is sung in treble and bass. All right. Okay. Well, it would seem to be a logical sort of conclusion, then. Bit of a logical conclusion. Oh, actually, I want to go back to lyres for a minute, because there's a tuning key. Mm. Now, on the lyre, you've got strings, and each string is round, round, wound round a peg. Right. And you can use a tuning key to tighten or loosen those pegs to get the right sound in your strings. Okay. And there is uh, a tuning key from Sigtuna, and it's got a runic inscription on it. Yeah. Which is amazing. What does it say? It says, listen to the one who plays this. Airy plays with skillful hands. Wow. And all that's written on a tuning key? All that's written on a tuning key. I mean, that's only going to be quite a small thing, isn't it? It's going to be like really tiny runes, is all I'm saying. Wow, okay. So, yes, tuning key. Sometimes you get the bridges of lyres and you don't get any of the wood surviving, but you get the little amber bridge or you get the little bone bridge, but very, very occasionally, because sometimes the bridges are also made of wood and they also fall apart. And they go. And they go as well. So... There's a couple of other... There's three other sources I want to talk about. Uh-huh. There's a couple of Viking music in Arabic descriptions. Okay. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Ibn Fadlan. Ibn Fadlan? Ibn Fadlan we know. Our, our mate? Maybe. Ibn <laughs> Fadlan we know. His description of the Rus funeral. Yep. Yeah. Now he says that as a part of that funeral they play instruments. Okay. And the slave sacrifice, the girl who is slave sacrifice, sings as part of that ceremony. Okay. So we know they sing. If you look at the 12th century Saxo Grammaticus in his book, he describes how a lyre player changes the mood in the king's court. Depending on what he's playing, it's influencing the emotions of the people in the court. Yeah. In that hall, in that room. And he says the first tune he plays sends them all into grief and sadness. Okay. And then he plays into lively music where they all get up and start dancing and celebrating. And then they go from that and he plays another piece and that sends them into fury. So, I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty conclusive then, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they're, not, they're not just, it's not just a case of they're... <sighs> Yeah, they, they're using it for its emotional potential, you know, yeah, its emotional they're, they're effect. They're recognising I mean, that it has an emotional effect. You know, I can I can put a playlist of, of, of songs and, and, and literally change my emotion from one state to another. Yes, yeah. And they obviously exactly recognise the that. Yeah. The, yeah. the same thing. The music is having an effect on people. And the fury and rage that people feel is so much that they start attacking each other. Oh, crikey. And it takes trained warriors to restrain the king because he is gone. Right. He is into attacking people and hurting them, and he's well into it. Okay. He's absolutely gone. And when the lute player, the, the lyre player stops, 
the king kind of calms down and all the benches get righted and then it very dryly says and the king pays wear guild to all the injured warriors <laughs> and so you're like oh wow that was a saturday night Crikey. that's a proper kind of you I mean, know I'm, punch I'm... up kind of yeah that was a good fight lads let's just put all the chairs and tables back now and just yeah so tidy I'm, everything up a bit i'm sitting here now thinking of the bards in like everquest and yeah, yeah. stuff like that where you know, you would use your 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 music would would help. You could like, uh, you know, apply buffs to your oh yeah party members and stuff, and attack the enemy with yeah. damage over time. They just made a slight songs. mistake and played a damage over time song, but in the king's hall, he yeah. says like, "Oops, big mistake. Shouldn't have played that one. Take it off the playlist for next time. Not a good plan." <laughs> the third. One I want to look at is another Arabic writer uh-huh. describing Vikings. And it's an Arabic writer called Ibn Ahmad. And he goes to Hedeby, big trading centre, huge bustling markets, great centre of commerce. Yeah. And he describes the people when they sing in Hedeby. And he's not very complimentary. Okay, he's not, not a fan. <laughs> he says it sounds worse than dogs growling and he can't stand it. Oh, dear. <laughs> so oh. it's like, oopsie-daisy. Sorry, Hedeby. Yeah, big problem. So we know they had instruments. We know we've got descriptions of instruments being played. We know that they sang. Mm-hmm. What we don't have is any of the contemporary music. Or no. words. Or any of the songs that they were singing at the time, any of the music they were playing at the time, they've probably got no way of writing it down. I was going to say, learning it from each other. I mean, we we obviously, you know, our our sort of uh, musical notation is from I, I don't know when medieval times, I guess. Yeah. So we've nothing to say whether they would have had a, a, a notation system of any kind, or whether it would just be a case of teach it to somebody and teach a song to somebody, and they will practice it and. Yeah, I mean... Sort of oral tradition, but for music. There is the oldest Norse music that I could find that is on a five-stave notation, like modern music, Okay, is around 1300. Oh, right. So it's All late. Right. And it's sheet music and the lyrics in runes. Wow. Under the, under the notes, so you can tell what part of a word is supposed to be sung at what particular note being played or struck or sung. Okay. Um, and it's called I Dreamt to Dream. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's called I Dreamt to Dream, and then it gets a little bit fun because the other half of the first line can be interpreted at least three different ways. Well, a good song should be open to interpretation. That's got you know, so it's... much interpretation <laughs> to it. So it's unusual because the. The lyrics are written in, in runes yep. and not in Latin. Okay. And it's unusual because it's got the stave and the musical notes on there as well. When you say not in Latin, I mean, do you mean not in the Latin alphabet? Yeah, well, it's not in the Latin alphabet and it's not actually written in the it's Latin It's not in the language. Latin language, okay. It's not in either of those, which you would expect music to be. I mean, if you were going for circulation. Yeah. You know, lots of subscribers. You'd want a, a language that everybody spoke. So it's it's kind of unusual in two different ways. Mm, mm. It's written in runes, and it's got the stave music to go with it, and has three different meanings. At least, and that's just the first, the second part of the first line. It's just <laughs> like, oh 
not going to go there, that one. Uh, maybe they did it on purpose. Yeah. It's like it's like you're so vain or something like that. That you can they, they interpret wrote, it six yeah, they, different ways. They wrote it so that people would be arguing for like generations about what it was <laughs> what it was talking about. Yeah, yeah it's a little bit that way. Mm. Um, but there are people who've reconstructed it and have played it, and there okay. are, uh, you know, it's available on YouTube. Oh wow! The joys of modern thingy. You can. We'll, again, throw links into the description, but you can yeah. go and see the sheet music for yourself. You can see the modern notation to it, and you can hear people playing it. That'd be cool. Which is a bit awesome. Yeah, definitely. Music from the 1300s. So, music and songs. I want to talk a little bit about music that is inspired by or uses these instruments. Mm. So, you've got the fabulous Wadruna. Wadruna we know, yes. Wadruna we know. Yeah. Because they're just awesome. Kudos to Wardruna. And you've got Danheim and Thorndown, who are in the same kind of vein of reconstructing songs. So they're all inspired by <clears throat> Northern European paganism, Asatru, Norse heathenry. So you might find that in your ritual uh, or... After your ritual, when your kindred is just kind of chilling out a little bit, or when you're just chilling out a bit, and your important stuff's done, and you're getting down to the kind of get in, take your coat off, take your shoes off, settle down on the sofa with the brew, you might want to put on Wardruna music, just mm. to kind of chill you out in that space. Yeah. You might want to put on Hylong. Okay. You might want to put on other musicians that use that kind of tone and quality and inspiration just mm. to kind of give you that little bit of relaxation space. You might find that you want to put that music on in ritual to give you atmosphere, Yeah. Uh, to give you background to your ceremony, to give you a half an hour playlist, to give you that extra dimension of being in that um, space and Ambience. Time. Yeah. Mm. That ambient space. Yeah. You might want to put somebody's chant on or somebody's lyre playing on in the background to your own ritual, yeah, to your own prayer time, to your own redecorating of your altar. You might want to put music on as part of that process. Mm -hmm. We may, we may, I say mm -hmm. we, you, heathens, pagans in general, we may not have explicitly celebratory praise music, but... We have a lot of music that could be turned to that. Yeah, there's a lot that's inspired by that. Mm. We know that they, they're describing praise songs, so they make songs in praise of people's deeds Yeah. at the time. We know that they've got poetry. Mm -hmm. We know that songs are also used in Seath. Okay. Seath work. So Saga of Eric the Red, the Seath practitioner comes to the farm and she's given the highest honor she's given the best food she's given the high seat but she says she can't do her thing until somebody sings the special chants mm. and all of the women are christian and refuse the special chants so she picks on one and gudrun says well i know the special chants but i'm not going to sing them because i'm a good christian girl now yeah so she gets pressured into singing <clears throat> the special chants. Okay. So these, this chant goes alongside seath work, this meditative practice, if you like. Yeah. 
prophesying practice. So there are chants of a sort. It's not the same as song and it's not the same as melody music, but there are specific chants that go along with that. Somebody has to open the door, as it were. Yes. And then the, the seer, the seeth worker, will... Can see through it. Can go and, through it, yeah. And do her thing. Oh. So you might find that if you are wanting to do seeth work, if you are wanting to do prophecy work, if you are wanting to cast runes, you might want to put on chant music. Albeit or, we don't know what the the chants were, I assume. No. No. Not a clue. Didn't get written down. Mm. Lost it. <laughs> Gone. A shame. Just a slight shame. But we are modern heathens. Mm. And we have music in our lives every day. You turn the radio on, it's full of music. Yeah. You go on the internet, you go on YouTube, you can get hour, two hour, three hour playlists. Your Spotify and your... Of music. Your Deezer and your... All of that. Yeah. You can use... Amazon, I guess. I'm trying to think of other ones. I mean, you know, <laughs> other, other, other music streaming services are available. <laughs> Thank you. You know, there is scope for us to use these older sounds to put us into that place. Mm. But there is also scope for us to use newer sound. Yeah. So it might be that if you are favoured of Njord, you might want to put on a track which is just sounds at the seashore yeah to go over your ritual to him mm. so you're listening to crashing waves and seagulls and the wind as part of that process as indeed we have on on here before yeah Where you might want to put on sea shanties mm. you might want to if you are devoting time to freya you might want to put on music that is created by women Mm -hmm. That is sung by women, that is empowering, that is big and stompy, because she's always been fairly big and stompy for oh, me. Yeah. I don't mean, she might not be for you, she might be completely different. <laughs> Can't tell you how to heathen. You might want to put on Spanish flamenco music. Yeah. You might want to put on tango. <gasps> that, what's that track? That's not helpful. Uh, I listen to it all the time, and I can't remember what That's it's called. That's definitely not helpful. Um... Thing of me, Rodrigo y Gabriela. Re Rodrigo y Gabriela. I love that track. Okay, gonna, lovely listeners. We're going to put a link into. I'm going to link that one because that is fantastic. So you might want to explore. Yes, there, there is music made with these ancient sounds, mm. and you might, you know, put very great value in what that sounds like and use that as part of your devotional practice, your meditative practice. You're driving to work in the morning practice that, yeah, yeah. that keeps you having that connection. Yeah. But you might also want to explore how modern music is. Mm. Now, I was saying earlier on that we don't have a standard stock of songs. We don't have hundreds of songbooks. We don't have musicians who just dedicate themselves to writing praise songs. Mm. But I have come across some little caches of modern heathen songs and chants, and I will throw those links into the description. Um, cool. Because they're worth exploring and evolving and looking at how we develop those as a community. Yeah. Do we 
take one of those songs and teach it to our kindred? Do we take one of those songs and sing it before ritual? Sing it as part of the ritual? Well, I mean, going back a few years, I um, I don't know whether I've mentioned it on, on here before, but I, uh, many, many years ago, I did go through a period of, of going to a church. Mm. And it was only a relatively short-lived thing, a few months. But I started going to this church, and, and it was... I'd been brought up Church of England by yeah. Christian parents. And so I was quite familiar with going to church and singing hymns and all that kind of thing. It was something I did, you know, through my childhood. And we were always singing out of these set hymn books. Yes. Uh, and they'd have the numbers up at the front of the church each yeah. at the beginning of each On Sunday. those wee little slidey cards. That's right. Yes, yeah. I remember those. Um, yeah. So we'd go in, we'd, you'd sing the standard hymns out of them. And some of them were, some of, like I said, I mean, I've, I've got to say, you know, it's not my faith, but I, I respect quite a lot of their music. They have some really inspiring music. Mm. But they, these are the set, sort of set ones. When I went through my phase of, of uh, going to, it was a Pentecostal church in our local town, and, mm. and um, I, I sort of went there for, for, for a few months. They were very much more... They didn't have a set book, but they had certain songs that, I mean, I'm not sure where they'd come from, but they were much more sort of modern in style and so mm. forth. And it was just, you'd have the words up on a, on a screen at the front of the, the, the yeah. church and, you know, everybody sort of learned the song. And they were like a much more kind of, um, they seemed to be a much more individualised to that church, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so, you know, what you're saying, it's like, you, you know, you can teach songs to each other and you can, yeah, do you, you can adopt songs and, yeah, do you just do a call and response chant mm. the next time you greet Frigga yeah. in ritual? Do you go through the All Father's titles one by one? Do you split a song like going through the All Father's titles? Do you split it into rounds? Mm. Do you have three people? singing each one so your first person sings the first title yeah then the first person sings the second title and the second person sings the first title at the same time so you get and then so on and so on with the third fourth and fifth title so you get this overlapping yeah build up of names and you can use that in you know praise and thanks to the all father mm. is there a way to to put song and music into your practice. Not to mention, you know, you get the the, the chant going, the rhythm going. I mean, I, you know, I, what what sort of connection I have with sort of witchcraft traditions and things will will tell you all about energies and stuff mm. for doing ritual purposes and things. And and whether you believe that or not, you know, whether you have that concept of of, of sort of energies that can be created and directed and all that kind of thing, there's no denying that a, a ritual with you know, the right kind of chanting and the right kind of yeah. time of evening and the right kind of fire going and all that kind of thing. It's it's powerful very, stuff. Very, very powerful. Mm. But again, even if you're on your own, mm. you can sing in their praise yeah. just the same. If you've got heathen kids, yeah, teach them songs. It becomes a way of helping them understand the law, mm. who the God's names are, what they do. Mm. you can teach them that in a chant or in a song and sing it every time. And yeah. they'll start learning what that is, who those people are. Mm. So, yes, I think there is a place for 
reconstructed music for looking at uh, these ancient music sounds, but I think there's also ways that we can incorporate modern music into our practice mm. as well. And where, you know, that can have an equally powerful effect as doing a, um, a ritual to run mm. and layering up sounds of the deep sea onto a half an hour, three quarter of an hour track and playing that at the back of your ritual at the same time as you do it. Yeah. Maybe another way that you can experience that presence. I was going to say immerse yourself, but... Yeah, ran, not a good yeah, idea. Yeah, bad choice. Yeah, bad, bad choice. <laughs> okay. Don't immerse yourself, lovely <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we love you all just the way you are. Please don't immerse yourself. Okay, so... Lovely listeners, we're going to leave you chilling out, contemplating the sounds of music. And you might have favourites in Wardruna, in uh, Amonamath, in Danheim, in Heilung. You might have other ancient music favourites. So we're going to throw some links into the description for you to have a wander round mm -hmm. for yourself in people who recreate the sounds of the past and people who use those sounds in modern composition to modern musicians and singers who are inspired by those themes mm. you might find something new that you really get into you see i want to not not specifically heathen in terms of the culture but uh, and the, the big problem with this particular band is i can't pronounce them okay which is very awkward i can okay. say they begin with an e and I will put a link in Is the description. Is it E-I-V-O-R? It's E-L-U-V-E-I-T-I-E. Elevete. Something like Those that. Ones. I don't know. Okay. But yes, predominantly sort of very, sort of, very kind of rocky, but they do do a couple of albums called The Arcane Dominion. Yes. Uh, which are kind of, if not ancient instruments, then at least Aim, aiming at having the tone of ancient instruments yes. and they're much more sort of acoustic and, and vocal than, than what they yeah. normally do but they're, they're really good we're going to throw some links into the description mm. for you lovely listeners if you'd like to come and find us online and share some of your happy favourite music that you really love that really reminds you of one of the gods or just really gets you into that zone where you feel connected please do that would be awesome. The more we share, the more we find out, you know, the, the deeper our connections get. Sounds good to me. So if you'd like to find me, my name is Suzanne Martin. I'm on Facebook under that name. And I'm also on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And if you want to find me for some reason, um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm on uh, Facebook as uh, Kate Coldwind. And uh, you can also find me at my website kind of thing, blog sort of affair at glassrain.net. Yeah, if you would like to find the new home for Frithcast online. Indeed. You can find us on Frithcast Pod. We have a page on Facebook. Yep. And we also have a Discord chat and a private group called Frith Chat attached to that page. Just come and say hi. We'll get you on in. You can come and chat to other lovely listeners around the virtual campfire and chill out. Yeah, so that's at Facebook. Just search for Frithcast Pod. Yeah, you'll come and find us. We come and hang out every now and again too. Cool. So lovely listeners, we will leave you all until next time. 
and we'll speak to you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.